Welcome to Vocal Unrest. I'm Rachel Robinson. Today's guest is Lindsay Sherman. Lindsay is an expressive arts therapist, theater artist, and children's musician. She grew up in New York and moved to Vancouver, British Columbia in 2019. Her formal education includes a certification in expressive arts therapy, a BFA in theater arts, and she is currently working towards her master's in expressive arts therapy. Lindsay works as a therapist and creative arts facilitator with people of all ages, exploring all creative practices for the purposes of healing and growth. She often works with young children and caregivers, leading music and sing-along groups. Lindsay writes original music for children, always following the imaginative play that naturally emerges in music time. Lindsay has also worked professionally as a performer and director on various projects which explore theater, advocating for social change and mental health awareness. Since her childhood, singing and theater offered her confidence, community, and a deeper sense of self. As an artist and a therapist, she wishes to offer opportunities for joy and connection through collaborative explorations of all arts practices. Rachel. How are you doing today? Pretty good. good. Sunny outside. Yes, here too. It's oh. good to see the sunshine. So, well, thanks so much for coming on the Vocal Unrest podcast and chatting with me today. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So, um, we're going to start out. This is like the question I start all my interviews with, which is um, Are you a singer? Yes. <laughs> for some reason, it's hard to answer that question, but yes, I am. I'm I a singer. I feel like everybody like has that reaction yeah. when I ask them that. They're like, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> it's so loaded somehow. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So have you, more more on that, I'm sure, <laughs> like, why is that a loaded question? But um, have you always been a singer? Like, are you one of those people who, like, came out, like, as a child <laughs> singing? Yes, definitely. I that is a firm yes for me. Um, yeah, I'm the youngest of uh, four. I have three older brothers, and I was always the loud um, <laughs> performer singing on the kitchen table to um, the Lion King or something like that. So, um, yeah, and my singing. Uh, breakout performance was when I sang for my brother's bar mitzvah when I was <laughs> six years old, <laughs> and <laughs> and my parents. Um, I never heard about this before. <laughs> oh, I never told you this story. Okay, yeah, this is the first thing that comes to mind when I think about my relationship with singing. Um, yeah, my so. I believe that my dad can sing, but he doesn't think he can sing. But in my parents' minds, they um, they can't sing. So they didn't believe that I would be able to be a singer when I was young. So I was practicing every night to um, perform at my brother's bar mitzvah. And for maybe five months, a year, I don't know, like a really long time. And... Um, my parents were trying to convince me not to do the performance this whole time. What were you singing? I was singing, You've Got a Friend in Me, <laughs> from <laughs> Toy Story 2, 
which is the um, jazzy, it's the jazzy version that the penguin sings, if you know that version. <laughs> of course. The, yeah, it was more up, it was more of an up-tempo. Yes. Um, <laughs> I can hear Randy Newman in my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, take that one out of your head. Okay. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, I didn't listen to them. And I did the performance. I even, like, spilt ketchup on my dress before I did the performance. And that was the final thing my mom tried to use to convince me not to do it. Because she was like, you have ketchup on your dress. You can't do it. But then I did it. And it was the performance of a lifetime. <laughs> and then from there on out, I was in um, theater and singing classes. So that's what it took to, like, convince your parents. Like, they, like, saw the light at that moment. And yeah. they were like, okay, this is for real now. <laughs> yeah. And probably I imagine, like, all of the, like, friends and relatives who were there were like, oh, my gosh, Lindsay, your voice, that was so great. Da, 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 right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, my brother and all of his friends couldn't care less, but all of my family relatives were really into it. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure, and I'm sure your brother loved that on what was like supposed to be his day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so okay, so then you like get into theater and etc. And like, did you start taking voice lessons right away too at that time? I think I started taking voice lessons pretty early on. I was maybe, yeah, I think I was maybe eight or nine when I started taking voice lessons. I started off in group group classes mm -hmm. and then um, met a teacher, a voice teacher through doing that and then started maybe, at, maybe I was nine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pretty young though. Pretty young. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you have any recollection of um, what you, like what you were working on in those early lessons? Like any songs could mm -hmm. like stick out in your memory as like these were the first songs that I ever worked on or I can't really remember. I feel like probably my favorite things was one of the songs, but I was really into um, the Belty songs right away. Of course. So I was probably singing Annie. Mm -hmm. um, I remember singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Yeah, that's a good question. I'll have to think about that more because that would be very telling. But I was really into the Belty songs. From an early age, too, I, I remember. Weren't we all? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so then did you have a sense, I guess at that time, did you sense that this was like your path, like that this was going to be, this was like the thing for you? Or was it more of just like, this is a fun thing I do a couple times a week? What was like, what was the sense hmm. of that? I think it was really, it felt really strongly like my path. I think, um, and of course that's changed so much for me now um, in the last um, 10 years or so, but or eight years or so, but um, when I was young and even preparing for um, college and, and everything, it was very much almost tunnel vision for me. I really felt like singing and performing was the, the only way for me. Yeah. And when you say yeah. like singing and performing, like you're you're speaking like specifically in reference to like musical theater, 
Yeah, very much musical theater. Mm -hmm. And it was the only thing I could dream of for myself. Yeah. And was that pretty much like all positively reinforced, like by your family and your teachers and everyone you were sort of encountering during your your youth? I would say that I was always really lucky, specifically with my family, that um, my parents were really supportive, really supportive. Like, you know, my dad came to every <laughs> single show that I ever did. <laughs> but um, well, right. I mean, I I know because I know your parents. Of course, that, like, but <laughs> but are... yeah, they're incredibly supportive. Um, yeah, which. I'm very lucky, and really that extended out to my whole family. Um, there, My grandma always sort of tried to pressure me or hint at the fact that she wanted me to be a lawyer, but, <laughs> <laughs> but she, you know, they were all really supportive, and um, I took part in uh, a lot of different theater performance programs that, you know, I had a lot of success doing as a young person like getting the lead roles doing doing my thing feeling good yeah um so um when so you kind of like alluded to the fact that like sort of your your thoughts on your path and whatnot have changed mm -hmm. a lot you know in the last decade ish of time so what was there like a moment where you started to I don't want to use the word doubt, but maybe just see a different path for yourself? And if so, what, what was that? Yeah, I think it's shifted many times since I went to college. I went to college for theater. Um, and yeah, I had some trouble with my relationship to singing in college because, um, you know, I was accepted for acting and I didn't get accepted anywhere for musical theater and that really started to um, cause some insecurity around my voice. And um, in the college program that I attended, even though I was able to take voice lessons and still, um, still work on myself as a singer, they really, they really didn't take the acting majors very seriously as, as singers. And um, I developed extreme performance anxiety with singing for that time and even though I was still taking voice lessons and working with some great teachers I really struggled to um, validate myself as a singer all of a sudden after you know living my whole life really identifying myself with my relationship to my voice I developed such a deep insecurity I would shake I started developing like knee shaking while I was singing and I had so much trouble with breath support because I was feeling so anxious. Um, and was there, was there something, yeah. was there something that triggered that? Like, did someone say something to you or, or was that just like a general thing? It was really like the, a general culture, I would say in the school and and uh, there was a divide between the teachers who, you know, were the musical theater teachers. And I didn't feel like I was ever taken seriously when it came to auditioning for the musicals and things like that. Um, so it was a general 
thing that sort of developed over time. And I think there was an unhealthy attitude within the students too, the way we treated each other. Um, there was like a hierarchy and it just wasn't a very healthy environment in that way. Um, yeah, so it just developed and almost worsened over time, but at the same time, it allowed me to explore something else in the arts and in theater, and I got really interested and passionate about directing, um, and I sort of, yeah, I very much dove into uh, directing, and um, that was a that was a really um, good gift that I received because I was able to focus on something else and it expanded me from being in this sort of tunnel vision that I had been in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. I feel like that happens for better or for worse. I feel like that yeah. happens a lot because, you know, a lot of people, myself included, you know, go to college, these, you know, elite, whatever, mm -hmm. college theater, musical theater programs, and you've come from being like the big fish in the small pond, right? Mm -hmm. Where you were, you were it, like, like you said, like you got all the leads, you know, you mm -hmm. were, all, everybody was just telling you, you're great, you're great, you're great, you're the best. And then you go to these programs with like all the other people whose communities and families were telling them like, you're the best, right? Absolutely. And there is like, there's so much competition. And I feel like actually lately a lot has come out about how sort of toxic a lot of these theater training programs mm -hmm. are, which they certainly are, are. And, you know, cause there's all this, as you said, competition between students, between programs. Um, mm -hmm. And it is definitely not healthy and also really not reflective of what theater is because theater is supposed to be this like collaborative um, art form and yet like these training programs kind of make it the opposite of that which is very very strange but like you said it allowed you or forced you I guess in some yeah. ways maybe to yeah. explore some other sides of theater and other facets of like what you could do mm -hmm. as, a, as an artist so did you did you stop singing? I mean, you said you kept on taking voice lessons, right, for a time. Or was there a point there where you kind of ever did you ever consider just like, eh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sing anymore? Um, I think that, I think that it was something I I did have the ability to keep singing, but it was more sort of behind closed doors, mm -hmm. and I didn't have the same. Um, comfortability to share it with others in the same way that I did before. Um, so it became something that I, I think I was doing for myself. And then um, I also started to get feedback from the voice teachers that I was working with that my voice was maybe a little bit more classical, a little more operatic sounding. So I started to explore um, that side of my voice a bit more um, thinking, well, maybe musical theater isn't the right fit for me. Maybe I need to explore um, opera. Mm -hmm. And I dabbled in that a very, a little bit. Um, but it was still, it was still difficult for me to really share it with others. So it, it just became like this sticky part of myself, but I would never really stop. When I graduated college, um, I think I think I was singing less, um, but 
but also soon after I um, I ended up um, meeting the this theater company, the Caravan Stage Company, which is this wild sort of like I don't even this will take an hour to explain, but <laughs> but they're this um, okay, so they're a ninety foot tall ship and they tour very much um, original rock opera social justice, avant-garde performance pieces on the deck of the ship. So I, w I lived in the ship and we toured to different places in the U.S. and we would dock and the audience would watch from the shore and we would perform on the deck of the ship. And um, I really, this was when I really reconnected to my voice because the music was such bizarre, unique material, but somehow it was like this combination of classical and musical theater that I felt I could really sink into. And it was also really, um, at least the roles that I was playing, I was literally 60 feet on this platform, 60 feet above the deck. So it was really grandiose and just, I had to really um, go for it mm -hmm. because it was so large scale that I think it allowed me to just jump in and go for it and um, start to get over these insecurities that I was having. Like if I can perform 60 feet off of the deck of a 90 foot tall ship in a huge, also a huge mask on my head, like... <laughs> I can do it. I can do it again, you know? So. <laughs> Absolutely. That's amazing. Well, and, and also I feel like, because when you were in theater school, I mean, you weren't you studying, like, a lot more of, like, devised words mm -hmm. and, like, experimental theater and yes. things like that, too? So it's kind of, like, feels like a confluence maybe of, like, all the things. Absolutely. Right? Like, all the new things you had learned in school, like, your history of doing musical theater, this classical side that you explored, like all maybe came together perfectly on the ship. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was very, it became very drawn into um, experimental theater and, and theater for the purpose of change, for the purpose of social justice. And uh, it was amazing to be able to have an experience like that, that brought it all together. Yeah, and that started to lead me, I think, on the path where I am now. Um, but many steps, many steps along the way. Yeah. <laughs> and still going. Still, oh, yeah, it's on and, on, and ongoing forever yeah. and ever and ever and ever. So, can, yeah, can you speak a little bit about, about the work that you're doing now, currently? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, um, so right now, so this last year, I actually went back to school to become certified as an expressive arts therapist. Um, and this is, this was became really attractive to me because it's even more so uh, the confluence of all of these different aspects of the arts that I find to be really exciting for myself personally, and also how I how I observe the arts as being beneficial and supportive and powerful for others mm -hmm. um, at different points in my life. So expressive arts therapy is 
really an arts-based approach to healing. So it can be used in therapy or group workshops, um, group therapy. They also use expressive arts for um, peace conflict transformation. So in peace building between communities or within communities. So it has a lot of context, which I'm really interested in. And we use all mediums of art. So music, singing, movement, theater, visual arts, and nature-based arts. So really taking in all of these different creative practices and adapting to the needs of the client or the needs of the group that we're working with. So yeah, I, I basically found that from college and onward, my my interest in singing and my interest in the arts started to just keep expanding further and further and further. And then it somehow landed me here. <laughs> um, so I spend a lot of time working with, over the last couple of years, I've worked a lot with young children and um, music. So I facilitate music groups for children zero to seven and their families both online and a little bit in person again these days. Um, and I'm also currently working with teachers um, through the arts and journaling, things like that. Um, and I'm gonna be working more so in person with people of all ages through the arts. And yeah, it's been interesting the last year exploring, um, exploring the concept of our relationship to our voice, singing and not singing, and how how there's so much that lives in there when it comes to our healing. And that's just something that's part of this work that I'm interested in exploring even more. Yeah. And you are um, like singing and writing original music mm -hmm. as well, right? Yeah, so I'm also a children's musician and um, I've been, Basically, since my niece was born, which was four years ago, I started writing uh, original music for kids, and um, I play the ukulele, and that was another aspect of um, how I was able to really connect with my voice through writing songs with the ukulele. It, it allowed me to relax into my voice a bit more, um, yeah, and I write music on the ukulele, and I always integrate those songs into my classes with kids and that's been really fun so when did you start um when I guess when did you start doing this or when did when did you start playing the ukulele and like did you always mm -hmm. write song like have you always made up songs or is that something like a skill that developed later on it definitely came with the ukulele and that started um when I was living on the the 90 foot tall ship theater boat, um, I started playing the ukulele. There was always a lot of instrument playing um, with the uh, company there. So I started learning from a woman who lived on the boat and was working in the company. Um, I got my first ukulele when I turned 20, 24. And that's when I started writing music. I wrote my first song for the captain of the ship when he was feeling unwell. And um, yeah, I didn't start writing children's music until about four years ago. The first song I wrote was 
for children was will you la 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 with me <laughs> um yeah and yeah i think um it's been interesting how it's evolved writing songs for kids writing sort of my my own songs i wrote um i feel very inspired by emily dickinson so i took um i think maybe eight poems and I adapted them into songs on the ukulele that was one of the first sort of projects I did um that was really fun and yeah yeah I think that's when it all started (laughs) the ukulele well I mean I I I definitely personally have found that in playing an instrument for me the piano and also sometimes the ukulele like I am able to like you said like relax more about the singing Mm -hmm. right because your brain is kind of split. You're focusing on some other things because you're focusing on playing your instrument as well. Mm-hmm. And I find that that brings sometimes a bit more ease to the, the singing part of things. Yeah, I would definitely agree. And, and I find I'm not like listening to myself as much mm-hmm. because like you said, my brain is split. I'm, I'm thinking about the, the ukulele and it's more about the sensation of singing and the feeling of singing than, than really listening to myself, which, which I'm always sort of aiming for these days. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I definitely started to find that. Well, and like as a voice teacher, I know like I'm const- I'm constantly talking to my students about trying trying not to judge, right? Like in the moment, mm-hmm. trying not trying not to listen to yourself, trying not to judge judge yourself. You know, just try to like do it <laughs> in the in the moment but that is so that's so hard I mean that's like that's the ideal that's what we're all striving to is to be able to just sort of be present and and allow the voice to do its thing without judgment or commentary like while it's happening but that's that's definitely a journey <laughs> yeah <laughs> that yes. definitely takes takes some time but how wonderful that you've kind of come back to this place where you are I imagine like singing every day and you know doing that freely and do you still feel that anxiety or those nerves surrounding it I not so much anymore I would say um it definitely I started taking singing lessons again voice lessons again recently and so I wouldn't say I have um the same anxiety especially around performance I don't really have that kind of performance anxiety anymore Mm -hmm. um but I still have certain insecurities about my voice, especially since I've started um, jumping into the technique again, um, rather than singing just for my own enjoyment or um, working with children. Because when I'm working with children, it becomes so much just about the play and using music for the purposes of play. So I would say definitely some of the insecurities are still there. but the performance anxiety is gone for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, yes. <laughs> what, what prompted you to want to go back to voice lessons at this point? Yeah, I think that I'm really curious about exploring um, singing and the relationship to the voice in the healing practices, in my healing practices. For myself and with other people and so I wanted to start taking voice lessons again so that I could really 
um, learn about my own relationship to my voice in a deeper way um, and feel like I'm it, that the the space is being held by another person and also it allows me to be held accountable um, so that I'm really like diving in mindfully instead of just kind of it's great to be working with children and and finding play through music but I don't find that I'm always super mindful about the way that I engage with my voice or you know what my experience is so I wanted to start taking voice lessons again so that I could sort of observe um, yeah just what my relationship is to it and and observe the sensations of my voice and how that feels in my body and it it's been a few years since I've taken voice lessons so um, yeah I started working with a friend who actually also worked on the caravan the 90-foot tall ship and it's been so nice keeps on coming back it keeps on coming back yeah well I mean I think that that sounds like it was a really sort of important Mm -hmm. part part of your life I mean in so many ways right and so the relationships built and the discovery of you know yourself as a performer and you know the access point to the ukulele and you know so many other things so what a what a special experience to have had and how long did you work on the boat yeah um I started in 2015 so I did two two performance tours um with the caravan but I lived on the boat on and off for four four years four or five years no I think four years yeah so a long relationship with them and and just being there it's really like living in an alternative world and it's sort of like an even when we weren't, even when I wasn't um, part of a performance tour, I felt like I was an artist in residence there because you can really allow yourself to write music and be creative, even though I'm working in other ways on the boat. Um, yeah, it was like an artist in residence opportunity and, and the whole theater company was built like, Something I find so inspiring about this theater company is that they had a dream, these two founders, they had a dream and they actually made it happen. And um, I think that was always um, really inspiring and um, just allowed me to be super creative while I was there, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's incredible and so fortunate to be able to have like been in that environment and thrived, you know, and, and mm -hmm. found like that, all that inspiration. I mean. We're all, we're all looking for things like that. So mm -hmm. now, so now that you're taking voice lessons again, how does it feel different than it did before? Like, does your voice feel different in your body and your kind of experience of that and relationship with that? It feels very different. I think also working with um, my friend uh, Taj, he has a very different approach than I've experienced before, and. And that's been really exciting just to work in a bit of a different way. And also, I think working, you know, going back to school for expressive arts and always practicing observing my own sensations, physical sensations and sensory experience, I think that I'm much more finely aware of 
the feeling of singing and like the feeling of my voice in my resonators is much more heightened than it was before. Um, so that is a very cool experience. And I have a tendency to um, fall back in my voice and um, really working on bringing the voice forward and finding more of a balance between that. And I am just really loving the feeling of finding more space in my front resonators and I and feeling that vibration. So I would say like my sensory awareness is just so much more heightened than it was when I was younger and taking voice lessons. And that's been a really nice experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think also like there's so much that goes into that, right? I mean, you know, we, 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 as singers, we continue learning and practicing, you know, it's really like yoga. It is like a practice, right? And I think it is lifelong because when you, your body is the instrument, you Mm -hmm. know, your awareness of that, I think grows, you know, as we, as we grow and is heightened, you know, through your own experience and, you know, as we age and, you know, just are like more in tune with everything (laughs) with ourselves. Right. Which is, which is so hard to be when you're a teenager or, you know, a young, a young, really young adult, you know, cause we're, you know, you're just sort of like <laughs> everything is changing and you're just kind of rolling along with it. And then mm-hmm. as, as we get a little older and we start to kind of like center into ourselves too, I think that that helps with like the awareness of the instrument and, and all of that as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think, um, when I was younger, it was very, very much like listening to myself and wanting to sound a certain way, like listening to recordings of Sutton Foster and like (laughs) listening to myself and trying to sound like her, you know, and it distracted me from the physical experience of singing that I'm able to find a little bit more of now for sure. Right. Being aware of like what your voice feels like and being in tune, in tune with that and, and, striving to find your natural voice right as opposed mm-hmm. to trying to sound like Sutton Foster or whoever else you yeah. know, we, all, we all idolize we all have someone <laughs> growing up Julie Andrews so yes. yeah yeah exactly exactly that's really cool um do you have a sense of sort of like no, nobody has a sense of what the future holds, but do you have a sense of where you would like to see this all kind of go with your current work and studies and mm-hmm. um, sort of speaking of the caravan and people who had like a dream that they made a reality? Do you do you have like a dream that you would like to see all this views hmm. into? Um, I have lots of little, lots of little and big dreams for sure. I'm still finding them, but um I really like to record a children's album. I think that's something that I wanted to do for a long time. And uh, that's definitely a dream that I have that I think I can make happen. Yeah, I just need to take the next step. Um, I have lots of, yeah, lots of original music that I'd like to record. So that's one thing. And um, yeah, this doesn't feel super tangible to me yet, but I think that I just like to, I think that in expressive arts and working with people with, in therapy, using the arts, singing always feels like one of the hardest mediums to work with, to bring into my sessions, because 
there is a lot to, um, there's often a lot to unpack when it comes to people's relationship with their voice and singing. Maybe, you know, they feel like they can't do it. They're not a singer. They are tone deaf or, you know, there's a lot of insecurities that come with that. And so I just wonder how I can bring the modality of singing into sessions in a way that feels accessible um, because I do think that would be a really could be a really powerful experience so I just am holding that question right now as to how how I can do that because it always seems like the hardest to tap into yeah definitely I mean that's I'm I'm super fascinated by that as well clearly hence the podcast yeah. <laughs> so that is definitely something I would love to continue talking to you about as the future unfolds I, I'm curious like in your work and in your studies has has there been have you sort of done any more scientific based sort of study or research on that or like why people feel that way or are scared to be honest I haven't done a lot of scientific research around it but I'd be interested in doing more yeah, yeah. me too <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was doing a class like a year ago I mean like mm-hmm. right before everything shut down and, and it was a you know a, a class for I'd say people who identified as singers or actors mm-hmm. you know it was a theater a class at Berkeley Rep and um the co-instructor you know she had people do an exercise where you know mm-hmm. it was like write down write down just sort of something about how your week has been going or your day and then you know I I was like the musical director so I played like a little improv piano and then like they each were to come up and kind of sing it right like sing mm-hmm. sing your I- experience you know and it's it's so hard I mean even for people who identify as yeah. singers or performers you know I mean I think being personal is really difficult and then being personal through song is even more difficult because singing is already so personal. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you end up having to be super vulnerable in, in that kind of a situation. But, um, you know, we look back at sort of our older cultures, you know, and practices. There's so much of a history of singing and, and music and people just singing, you know, for expression and joy and without judgment (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you know I think that that's something we have to I don't know try to bring back in a cultural Mm -hmm. like a big this is like big cultural Mm -hmm. shifts you know but you you know the, the I think recorded music is great but also has made us so much more judgmental of what we mm-hmm. sound like, you know, whereas before when people, there weren't records, you know, or digital recordings of uh, professional singers, you know, everybody used to sit around at home and play instruments and sing. Mm-hmm. Right? It's such a different experience when it's in person, because when it's recorded, it can often feel like a two dimensional experience. But when you're in person, it's more of a physical experience and you can actually feel like these levels of vibrations and that connects between everyone and it's just wildly different. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's a larger, that's a larger conversation. (laughs) (laughs) How we're all so messed up and (laughs) yeah, (laughs) cultural shifts surrounding our voices and and, uh, (laughs) all that. All that good stuff. All that great stuff. Um, 
so I guess just to kind of wrap up, um, mm-hmm. sort of, well, get, get close to wrapping up, I want to ask how has, how has the pandemic affected your work as, as a singer and as a performer in the past year? I think really I've been singing more. When I really think about it, I think I've been singing more because, um, yeah, I, I started working uh, virtually with with children. When the pandemic started, I was offering um, a free Facebook Live um, music time and art time for children, and that that boosted my my music writing for kids. And I was singing. Um, very often, and and then um, I started leading that music class for families once a week here in Vancouver, and taking voice lessons again. I think maybe I wouldn't have been so inspired to take voice lessons again if um, I hadn't had some this much spaciousness, I'll say. Um, <laughs> so I think that I've actually had a big reconnection to my voice in the last year. Um, yeah, so that's been another pandemic blessing. Silver lining. <laughs> silver lining. Like that. Yes, silver lining is it, a better it way is to amazing. say it. It is amazing, and I think a lot of people have had, this, had that experience or similar experiences with having a little bit more time and space, as we all pretty much have mm-hmm. had in the past year with less running around and whatnot has allowed us to reconnect with parts of ourselves that were maybe get, not getting enough attention or you know that we always you know said we would right like I'm yeah, gonna do this exactly if I have time and now I have time so exactly that's exactly the feeling because it was something in my head forever this you know in the last couple of years oh I want to take voice lessons again but you know blah 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 and uh, there was really no excuse for myself so I started doing it and I was just looking for something to feel good and and when I sing it just makes me feel so much better it makes my day good and I was looking for anything to just feel that like joy and I knew that singing was going to be the thing that would be that for me and it is so yeah and and always will be hopefully right? yeah as you go on as the journey continues and the work continues that you mm-hmm. can always come back to that and I find it so telling too that when even when we were talking about sort of some of the challenges that you faced um like during your college years that you know you said well I but I was still singing for myself you know that mm-hmm. that was always a part of you even when you were not feeling confident enough to do that you know do it for others at that time but mm-hmm. it was still something you did for yourself yeah yeah thank you for pointing that out and I think that is like the the most important thing for me at this point that as long as I'm doing it for myself, then that that's good. Yeah. <laughs> and that feels good. <laughs> yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, okay. And so then to sort of get to sort of my last question is just if you, if you had any advice for <laughs> like, or for, uh-huh. for a young singer or like your younger self, you know, just sort of regarding your relationship with the voice and how it all has changed is there any is there anything you would tell Mm. like the young version of yourself Mm -hmm. yeah I think that I I think for if I'm thinking about myself I think I took it took myself 
too seriously when it came to singing. And I um, did a lot of forcing and a lot of pushing and a lot of trying to put myself in a little box or, um, you know, a lot of listening to myself. And I think that I, I felt like I had to sound a certain way. And um, I guess the main thing I would say is, you know, it's supposed to be fun and focus on the fun and you don't need to take yourself too seriously. You know, do it because it feels good. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's called a play. It's called a play for exactly. a reason, right? We play. Mm-hmm. We play our instruments. It's. I think the voice... The singing is so weird because we talk about playing any other instrument, right? I play the piano, I play the ukulele, I play the drums, I mm. play the clarinet, whatever, right? But we don't say, I'm going to play my voice, right? We're just like, I'm singing. I, and it has a different, yeah. there's a different weight to it. But I think the more that we remember that it's still an instrument and it's something to play and, you know, play, <laughs> have fun mm. with, the more successful we and free we end up being. Yeah. Yeah, that word free is really important, definitely. Yeah, I never thought about that with the word play and you don't play the voice necessarily or I'm gonna start playing the voice though. I get I forget <laughs> and then I get remi- I get reminded every so often. my when I switched voice teachers in college, my second voice teacher at our very first lesson said, Let's play and it was like mm-hmm. mind blowing, right? And then just last week actually I'm taking a class right now in the teacher kind of brought this up about play and I was like yes this is a it's good all reminder. about the play yes yeah and so lucky that you kind of are embracing that too with your work with you know your your expressive arts therapy and working with children you know and finding that in the midst of all this and helping others find that as well for themselves you know starting from those early childhood developmental years which is mm-hmm. so 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 important mm-hmm Yeah, it always comes back to that word play for me. Because with play, I feel like you can really find the ease that you were talking about. Yeah. Lindsay, thank you so much. Thank you. This has been such a great conversation and just good to connect with you and hear hear about your work and and journey as, as a singer. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Rachel. This was so nice. Thank you so much to Lindsay for joining me today, and thank you to all of you for listening. To learn more about Vocal Unrest and all of our past and future guests, you can visit vocalunrest.com, follow us on social media, on Instagram, and on Facebook, and give us a listen or a follow on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you next time.